Uh, it's so great to get away from the podcast studio and do some bird watching. It sure is, buddy. Glad we stopped at this local diner for some grub. Hey, look out the window. Is that a crow or a blackbird? Eh, what's the difference? That is very definitely a difference. Hey, mind your business, lady. Yeah, we're big shot podcasters from the city. They are both perching birds, of course, but quite different species. The crow is called the Spracorincos, and the blackbird is Euphagosinocephagus. Lady, shut up. I'm trying to eat my moons over my hammy. Birds are not aggressive creatures. They bring beauty into the world. It is mankind, rather, who insists upon making it difficult for life to exist upon this planet. Oh, you're one of those environmental types. I should have known. Look, me and my friend just want to eat our breakfast in peace without some rural tree hugger interrupting us. You think you can stop up your word hole and go sell crazy at the gas station? Impossible. Great. Uh, Miss, we need two Bloody Marys if we have to listen to this bird lady of Bodega Bay. Two Bloody Marys, Oh, good. The bird lady left and is talking to the jukebox. Hooray! Now we can eat our breakfast and get a little buzzed in peace. It's the end of the world! God damn it! Hello everyone and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show we take a classic picture and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that uh, reputation is good or bad. And this time around its reputation is good, would you say, agree? Uh, yeah, I would say it's good. It's certainly uh, one of the most popular films of this particular director. And in this day and age, it's a cure for insomnia. Aww. Hey Steve, what movie are we going to be reviewing this time around? <laughs> we are we're going to be reviewing that classic 1963 horror suspense thriller movie, The Birds. Oh, you mean that documentary about the rock band? No, not The Birds. The Birds. The Birds. Got it. The By birds. Alfred Hitchcock. That, yeah. That, that apparently very problematic director. Oh, yes. Especially on this movie, although... Especially on this movie. Behind the scenes. <laughs> Behind the oh, scenes. Oh, but you know, it's probably just, you know, the only person that talks. <laughs> we'll get into that later when we get into Steve's realm. Trivia. Hey, Steve. Yeah? Do you have any trivia for the mm -hmm. birds? I do have some trivia for the birds. Yay. Lay it on me, baby. I'm ready okay. for some uplifting trivia about okay. this movie. Okay. Nothing too depressing. I hope not. Yes. Um... So, okay, uh, before he died, uh, the great Japanese director Akira Kurosawa made a list of what he felt were the greatest films ever made. And he only allowed himself to list one movie from a single director. Okay. And, of course, he put a Hitchcock film on his list, and mm -hmm. the Hitchcock film that he chose was The Birds. I can see that. I can yeah. definitely see that, especially yeah, can, yeah. the way he, he directs. Right, exactly. And he explained it by saying that when he saw the movie, uh, the shots of all those birds gathering together gave him a feeling of dread, mm -hmm. at which point Hitchcock probably would have been like, yes, because that's clearly <laughs> what he was going for. And, and it also made Kurosawa wonder how he had gotten those shots. So it gave him like both a, a, a technical curiosity and it also worked on him emotionally. So I thought I, that was pretty I know interesting. How. I know how he got some of those shots. Uh, well, yeah. So ask Tippy Hedren how he got some of those shots. Well, for um, some of the group shots with the seagulls, they look, quickly learned that if you let all the birds that you captured from the dump, which is where they got the seagulls. Yep, that's true. 
If you grab one of the seagulls and you just keep it there and it freaks out, all the other seagulls fly around it. And that's how you capture uh. all the flying birds is by torturing one of them. Oh, good. <sighs> by the way, this doesn't come with a warning that no birds were harmed. Lots oh. of birds were harmed in the making of uh, this movie, everybody. <laughs> I'm sure there are some birds being harmed in shots that made it in the movie. <laughs> I wanted happy trivia, Steve. Um, what, what, oh, else you, what else well, you got? Speaking of the birds, uh, of the, you know how they got some of those shots, according to Rod Taylor, one of the stars of the movie, uh, the way they were able to get those shots of the seagulls just standing around like that was uh, they fed them wheat soaked in whiskey. Basically, they got them drunk. Oh, my God. Okay. So, so they were just kind of standing around, just just a little tipsy, and they didn't feel Yay. like flying. Uh, here's, a cool, here's a cool bit of trivia. Okay. Um, and you'll like this. I'm sure you will, you fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> Jesus. The, <laughs> so uh, a lot of special effects in this movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of mat shots of birds sure. like flying at people or flying across, you know, backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. Those mat shots were actually created by the legendary Disney animator Ub Iwerks, oh. uh, who uh, who who created those shots using um, a a uh, mat process called sodium vapor process, which was sort of like an alternative to a blue screen or a green screen, because back when this movie was made, chroma key techniques like blue screen or green screen were still, like you would get a lot of fringing along the edges if there was a lot of movement. And with the birds flapping their wings, whenever their wings flapped, you could see the little bleed, the little color bleed from like the yeah. blue screen behind them. So they couldn't key it out and it just, it didn't look good. And mm -hmm. so, but there's this other process called the sodium vapor process, which is incredibly technical and highly involved and involves like exposing two negatives at once for the same shot. And you have to have a camera, a special camera with a prism in it that, you know, splits the beam. And it's, it's really fascinating and really technically involved. But the end result is you get a really really, really sharp, clean mat. Um, and they use that process. And then now it's, it's not used anymore because now blue screen and green screen are good enough that it's just not necessary. Yeah. But back then you could get an, a, a pretty damn close to perfect mat. Uh, and that's what they used to have the birds flapping around so they could superimpose the birds. They could composite these shots and have the birds uh, appear to be flying around when actually there weren't that many birds there. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it was the co-creator of Mickey Mouse who'd done it. Um, Two things. Uh, yes. Two things. Yes. Number one, Sodium Vaporwave would be the name of my New Age band. Oh, hell yeah. Number two, you have the gall yes. to call me a nerd Yes. right before launching into one of the longest technobabble diatribes I do. we've ever had on this show. I do. Explaining how the birds looked the way they looked at the movie. And you referenced <laughs> Uba I uh, Yeah, oh, yeah. fuck it. <laughs> Are, don't we have a great show? Yay! My my raging hypocrisy, <laughs> my malicious, uncalled for <laughs> insulting of my my dear friend and co-host. I don't care. You know um, I'm a nerd. Uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, takes one to know one, I guess. Um, I wouldn't say that. I don't think you're a nerd. Oh. I think you're a geek. Okay. Well, I, well, it's. So next, tomato. The, the next room over. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more piece of trivia. Okay, uh, God There was it. actually a sequel made to this movie. Oh, shit. 
That's right. 30, 30 years later, so you know it's good. It's always the mark of quality when they make a, when they make a sequel 30 years after the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. And just in case you weren't totally convinced that it was a great movie already, it was a made-for-TV <laughs> movie. Yay. And it's called The Birds 2 Land's End. And it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those neat sequels that's only a sequel because they say it's a sequel. Right. It has no it characters. It wasn't an existing script that got co-opted to be into a sequel. Of course not. Why would you say that? No, it has Whoa. it has a completely different setting, completely different characters. The only thing that it has in common is it's also about birds going apeshit and attacking people. That's Do the only you reason really it would think that all of the James Bond movie scripts started off as a James Bond story, Steve. <laughs> Which Fleming novel is this based on? <laughs> um, I have some trivia. Yeah, okay. Happy fun trivia that I'm okay. doing now. Good. Happy fun trivia. So. <clears throat> At this point in his career, Alfred Hitchcock was an uncontested master of his art. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely, for sure. He was also kind of powerful because his movies made money. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree to that, Steve? I would agree to that completely, yes. So, um, according to Tippi Hedren, Alfred Hitchcock got a little grabby. Yeah. Got a little, I want fuck you. Now, uh, guys, I want you to picture Alfred Hitchcock grabbing all over Tippi Hedren. And she told him no. She said, no, stop it. And people said that he got a little um, obsessive about Tippi. He locked her into a seven-year contract after all. Mm -hmm. And I guess that meant that her naughty parts belonged to him or something. And how dare she say no? And then things started to happen during the shooting, huh, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Some things started to happen. She got like, uh, she got hurt that a couple of times. She had plate glass thrown in her face. Yeah. Hey, Steve, do 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 you throw real glass at an actor's face? You you normally shouldn't. No. You normally don't ever. No, but it's, it's not. Funny. It's not a standard technique. <laughs> <laughs> and in another scene, despite the fact that he had robot birds made, and there were other things that they could use, like puppet birds and other birds, he, he made her do a live scene with birds biting her face and her legs and her hands, and she got cut, and some of the blood in the, in the scenes in the movie is her real blood. And that was not because she told him, you lech, don't touch me ever again. <laughs> Right, Steve? Well, of course not. Why? 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 Despite the fact that other people, including Rod Taylor, said, yeah. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) I would like to say right here, right now, while I enjoy some of his films, Alfred Hitchcock's ghost can go fuck himself. Because I have a sneaking suspicion. If you take a look at his movies, what does the lead... leading lady tend to look like steve uh well a lot like tippy hedron looks in this movie yeah yeah and in all of his other movies yeah yeah (laughs) blonde very blonde yeah young so i just thought i'd put that in there to spoil the rest of the movie so if anyone (laughs) else watches it they'll know that there's some creaky creepy weirdo who would love to rub his tiny flaccid penis all over the leading lady while going no one needs to know i'll ruin your career i'll ruin everything for you so yay and there were people after she came out and said it after he died that said she's lying he never did that she's lying he he was perfectly adorable no he won't no no i mean is it is it really that hard to believe 
No. Like, it's not. I mean, and I, as someone who, who greatly admires Hitchcock as an artist, is it really that hard to believe? It's not. No, I, I mean, could, what's so far-fetched I, about it? I could definitely see him eating a huge platter of deviled eggs and escorting another blonde lady into his office. Now, what I want you to do is strategically place the deviled eggs over parts of your body. Or I'll ruin your career. I'll ruin everything. <laughs> oh, that hitch. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't an unattractive older man. I think that goes that that is self-evident. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have to say that. He was a foul, fat, cheese-smelling, creepy guy. And he used his power to maybe, maybe, I don't want to get sued, but maybe, just maybe, this was a pattern of behavior. And the only one that spoke out about it was Dippy. Yeah. Because well, Tippy felt offended, and you know, uh, not only—I mean, I think uh, Tippy Hedren's story is the most well known, and, and 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 is the one that points to like a pattern of Hitchcock's relations with women that worked for him. But uh, Bill Mooney also tells a story of when he was a child actor, yeah, uh, and he did an—I think he did an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents that Hitchcock Probably. actually directed, and uh, and they had an altercation on the set where Hitchcock was like really, really rude and. You know, like well, I think yeah. he, he Hitchcock said, he, said out loud that he hates actors. Yeah, <laughs> which he hates uh, actors. What? Why? Pick a different job, Alf. Like because he was a control freak. Yeah, and actors are people who have ideas, and he wants people who will just shut up and listen to what yeah. he says. I so. don't want it to be a collaborative medium. No, that's why it says Alfred Hitchcock presents, and Alfred Hitchcock's name appears <laughs> five hundred times. But we'll, I did it all. We'll get into it as we go into. <gasps> Who made it? Yay. It's directed by Alfred Hitchcock, the guy we were just talking about. Produced by Alfred Hitchcock. Screenplay by Evan Hunter. Evan Hunter went by the name Ed McBain, and he wrote a lot of crime fiction. He didn't yep. do a whole lot of movie work. Uh, based on The Birds by Daphne du Maurier, who didn't like that she, they changed the setting from England to California Bodega Bay. Go eat a dick, lady. I don't care how upset you are. You sold your story. You got your money. Who cares where it's set? That's right. I'm sure it's vitally important that it's set in England, but they needed days where there was sunlight for them to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> also, Alfred Hitchcock is very lazy, and Bodega Bay is about 12 to 25 miles, depending on where his ranch was, where he set up his, his home. So there. He wanted to so roll his flabby ass into a flatbed, <laughs> truck it down to the goddamn Bodega Bay and shoot a seat. That was that's that's the, where that creative decision was. And by was the made. way, before anyone gets all up ons about me saying that he's fat, I'm fat too. Steve can testify to that, right, Steve? I yes. There you go. Yes. But I will calm it down. I'm feeling bad now. Aw. Well he's dead. Who cares? Fuck him. <laughs> <sighs> Starring Tippi Hedren as Melanie Daniels, and you'll recognize her from the other movie she made with Hitchcock called Marnie. Remember that seven-year contract, everybody? Oh, yeah. And she's appeared in other movies and stuff. Uh, she was in I Heart Huckabees and some other stuff, but she says this ruined her career. Also, if you watch this movie and you really liked her being attacked by birds, then go watch the movie Roar, where she gets attacked by tigers, lions, and an elephant that broke her leg. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> she's an animal rights person. She's she's a little crazy. That's why she's trying to. She's always trying to have the animals kill her. I guess. I guess. Yeah. It's the way she wants to go out. I respect that. <laughs> Rod Taylor is Mitch Brenner, and you guys recognize him from the Time Machine. Yep. He did some other stuff. 
Jessica Tandy as Lydia Brenner. And you know her from Cocoon and Driving Miss Daisy and a whole bunch of stuff. She did a lot of stage work. She never really did anything in movies up until she was like in her 80s. Yeah, she had a very a very active late period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the same with her husband, Hume Cronin. That's true, Hume Cronin. He, yeah, he became like the old the old guy in the movie for the last several <laughs> the decades of his life. <laughs> Suzanne Plachette as Annie Hayworth. And you guys know her from the Bob Newhart show. Mm-hmm. And other TV stuff. Veronica Cartwright as Kathy Brenner. And you know her from what, Steve? You better by now, gosh darn it. <laughs> from the right stuff. And Alien. That's, yes, and Alien, yeah. She's, and a bunch of TV and a, yeah. a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Ethel Griffiths as Mrs. Bundy, who's the ornithologist. She's done a lot. Now, they were heading into a lot territory. <laughs> they did a lot of movies. Some of them were noteworthy. Others were not. But I'm not going to sit here and read off all this stuff for her little five-line thing where she, and she then disappears like smoke. Where'd the ornithologist lady go? I don't know. She was there, and then she wasn't. She did her exposition, and she left. Charles McGraw as Sebastian Scholes. He's the fisherman. A lot. Lonnie Chapman as Dee Carter, the innkeeper. A lot of TV. Carl Swenson as the Christian preacher. A lot. Joe Mantell as cynical businessman. A lot. And he was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Marty. Mm-hmm. Ruth McDevitt as Mrs. Magruder. A lot. Malcolm Atterbury as Deputy Al Malone. A lot. And Elizabeth <laughs> Wilson is Helen Carter. And you'll remember her. She plays the mom in The Graduate. And she plays the bad lady um, from the Adams Family movie. Cinematography by Robert Burks. He did a lot of Hitchcock films. He did some other stuff too. Hmm. But he's probably the reason why Hitchcock films look like Hitchcock films. And edited by George Tomasini. Hitchcock again. <laughs> He's probably most famous as the guy who cut the shower scene from Psycho. But he also worked on a lot of um, Hitchcock's films. And this film, in particular, has one of the most failed attempts at editing a scene that I have ever seen. It it rips you right out of the scene, and you start laughing out loud. Do you know what I'm talking about, Steve? I think, I, I think is it the series of reaction shots? Yes, it is! To, uh, to Tippy when the birds are attacking? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. We'll I, I think that, that, oh, that almost that has scene. to be a gag, right? That has to be a joke. And why would he put it in the middle of that scene, though? I have no idea, but I, it reads... It totally reads as a joke, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 it certainly doesn't ratchet up the tension. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It takes you right out of it. Yeah. Cinematographer oh, did him did him. Production company Alfred J Hitchcock Productions. Oh, I wonder who what films they produce. Distributed huh. by Universal Pictures. Release date March twenty eighth, nineteen sixty three. Running time one hundred and nineteen minutes. Budget three point three million, adjusted for inflation twenty seven million. Box office eleven point four million, adjusted ninety five point five million dollars. Another whiz bang hit for old Hitch, huh? Yeah. Hey, Jason. What? You forgot something, didn't you? I didn't. You you didn't tell us who composed the score for the movie. That's because nobody did, because there's no score for the movie. No incidental music at all? No. Hey, guys, here's a fun thing to do. Go on YouTube and look up the bird's soundtrack or score, and you'll find a bunch of yahoos who decided, you know what this movie really needs? (laughs) An unnecessary musical score, despite the fact that the director expressly said he didn't want one. (laughs) I know better than Alfred Hitchcock. The no score to this movie is one of the best things about it. 
It's and one of the most famous things about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think for, for 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 you know people of our generation nowadays, it's like you know the the horror stories behind the scenes with Dippy Hedron, and yeah. it that it's the Hitchcock movie that doesn't have a score. I mean, yeah, yeah. so yeah, please composers, go ahead and miss the point. <laughs> and, and, and compose your fucking score and ruin the movie by all means. <sighs> all right, Steve, you ready? I'm ready. All right, get in my car. Bodega Bay is only about I don't know, 60 miles from my house. Oh, good. Okay. I used to go there as a kid to go fishing with my grandpa and my dad. I know the town really, really well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Before so you... I knew anything about this movie, it's. Just... Tiny, quiet little coastal town that got almost ruined by people showing up, going, "Did where they film the birds? Is that where that guy got blown up by the by the gas in the gas station?" So you know that that uh, that fish shop where they sell crab shrimp. <laughs> no, I think they closed it down for oh. lying to the public. Oh damn! I really wanted to try some crab shrimp. In the in the back room, they found a guy gluing crabs the shrimp to crabs. <laughs> Wait a minute! What'd you think it was gonna be? No, but if you ever wanted one of those, you know, frogs playing musical instruments on a log and they're all made out of shells, you can get that. Oh, well, I might take one if I can't get any crab shrimp. Right. Okay. This play, Bodega Bay makes Amity look like a bustling uh, suburban area. <laughs> all right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, it's you and me drive mm. in and then away from <laughs> the birds. Steve? Yeah? Take it away. As is fitting for a film with this title, we open on birds. Lots what? and lots of birds. Yeah, and get get ready, because you're going to see lots of them. Oh, boy. And the titles are just very simple titles over a shot of just, oh, boy, a lot of birds just flapping back and forth. I'm already peeing my pants. Lots, so many birds. Scary birds. Big, big, black, scary birds just flapping Making noises everywhere. that birds don't make. No, they don't sound like normal birds, do they? No, they do not. They're bad birds, but yeah. <laughs> they're, they're broken. These they're, birds are broken. I don't know what happened to these back. birds, but they're not right, man. And then yeah. we're in San Francisco. We're in San Francisco. Because there's a conveniently placed sign <laughs> that says San Francisco on it. I mean, I guess it beats an establishing shot of the bridge. Yeah, we meet our main character, Melanie. Melanie. And and some guy whistles at her, probably Hitch. Probably. control himself. <laughs> and she looks up and she sees a whole bunch of birds, a whole bunch of seagulls. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that doesn't foreshadow anything, right? Probably not. She goes to the pet store, and um, we're going to ignore his cameo that he insists on putting in because it pulls everyone out of the fucking movie because everyone knows what he looks like. He's probably stealing those dogs anyway. (laughs) To eat later. (laughs) Prepare my barbecue sauce. And uh, the the pet store's got a lot of birds in it, huh? Yeah. Shadow egg. What? You don't... Foreshadowing. Oh, because of, of the birds. And she's like, what's up with all the, the gulls outside? And the lady's like, how am I supposed to know that? What? There's birds <laughs> outside? What are you doing? I work at a pet store. Yeah, but the lady makes up some shit. Like, there's probably a storm or something. Yeah, it blows him in. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and Melanie's ordered a minor bird from yeah. the shop. But, but it hasn't arrived yet because they have to capture it in the wild and then <laughs> beat it into submission before they can stick it in a cage. And she's going to have to wait for it, huh? Ugh, yeah. And she's like, just cancel my order and give me my money back. You said it would be here by three. Yeah. No, she, she doesn't say that. That is related to a discussion we had off mic. 
nobody else gets to hear that story. Um, no. Yeah, so she's like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, you can just call me later. I'll come back and get it, whatever. And she's getting right. ready to leave, and there's this uh, guy coming up, Mitch, coming Mitch up the Brenner. stairs, and it's this is yeah, this is our our hero, Mitch Brenner. He's got a suit on like everyone wore during the um, during the day, even oh, if they yeah. didn't need to wear it. Yeah. And Mitch mistakes Melanie for like the pet shop lady. Yeah. In and her three hundred dollar jacket. And yeah. Her, yeah. You know, five hundred dollar dress done up all nice. Could see how he would make that mistake. But and she they're plays looking along. at each other like, I want me some of that. Yeah. Break me off a piece of that Melanie bar. And he's they, she decides to pretend to be the clerk because right. she's a fucking liar yeah. through this whole goddamn movie. <laughs> she she gives him a lot of laughably inaccurate information about the birds because she knows nothing about birds. Right. And he's, he's like, like, what kind of birds are those? And she's like, those are red birds. <laughs> he said, huh, I thought those were scarlet finches. And she's like, who, who, who's the clerk here? Because <laughs> I'm totally the mouth. clerk and those are red Red birds. And over there are green birds, blue birds, chair bird. Bet you didn't know that chair was a bird. It is. So shut up, because I'm totally a clerk. And he doesn't buy it, I don't think. No. Well, why is he there? Uh, well, well, he, he wanted to buy a pair of lovebirds why as, a, as a gift. Why is this obviously 35-year-old man there, Steve? To buy a pair of lovebirds as a gift for his sister. Who's 11 years old. Who's 11 old. years old. She was so, an accident. What? She was an accident. She was a major accident. <laughs> she was an accident. Her parents were planning His mother was it. like, I've had the change. Why is this happening? Oh, God. Why is God punishing me? And they banter back and forth. They banter back and forth. And she doesn't know anything about birds. And Melanie tries to show him a canary and it flies around. And then Mitch catches it. And um, then he tells her that he knows who she is. Because right. he's an attorney. And he saw her in court. Yeah, because apparently she plays pranks on people. I, yeah, or she did at some point in her life. Yeah, and she, she broke a window and wound up in court. And yeah. He says, you should have gone to jail. should have gone to jail. You should have gone into Gen Pop. And then you should have gotten <laughs> slapped around and sexually assaulted by a big bull or whatever they call him in jail. I can't remember what they said yeah. in Orange is the New Black, but that's what you should have. That's for breaking a window, yeah. you lawbreaker. Behind the camera, Hitchcock is furiously jotting down notes for his next film. <laughs> oh, just tell me more about this women's prison. Yeah, and he's like being kind of condescending. Yeah, yeah. And they must be in love, huh? Well, yeah, that's how it always works in these movies. The man is kind of a prick, and the woman is like, ah. <sighs> Yeah, so much so that after Mitch leaves, she runs downstairs and gets his license plate number. Yeah, and then calls one of her she, friends to run his plate. She's a crazy liar stalker woman. She's, <laughs> yeah, she she goes she goes through a bit of trouble here in these in this first act of the movie, doesn't she? She uh, first uh-huh. first she uh, she calls a friend of hers at a newspaper that it turns out her, her father dad? owns. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, "Run this plate for me." And they're like, "Why?" You don't work here. (laughs) Just do it. Is this going to be like one of your pranks? Remember when you put strychnine in the public fountain and all those pigeons died? Hilarious. (laughs) Those were the days. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she asked the store store owner for the lovebirds. Right. Right? Yeah. Because they're going to be delivered. And she get you don't know me, and it's obvious you were watching this. You know what? We're not. We don't know each other, but give me the birds. Yeah. And apparently the pet shop lady is like, okay, take them. 
So then we cut, and she's walking down the street carrying the lovebirds, which aren't hers that the lady just gave to her because it's, I guess that's what people do. Yep. Right? It was a different time. She goes up in an elevator, and um, she puts them outside of Mitch's apartment with a note that said something like, I'm so horny for you or something. Who yeah. knows? But there's a dude there, and he says, you can't leave birds there because he's gone. He left. He's not yeah. going to be back till Monday. You can't leave birds. They'll, they'll die. Or I'll kill them. I'll kill those birds if you yeah. leave them there, lady. I'll kill them out of pure spite. You don't want to leave them with me. But also, I'm going to tell you where he goes. And he went to Bodega Bay with his mommy and his sister. And uh, then he kind of stares at the birds. And that's it for that scene, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, I'm starting to forget what this movie's supposed to be about. Anyway. Yeah. This is all set up. This is set up. But yeah, so this is now, now we get to see exactly how committed Melanie is to her practical jokes because she does, in fact, drive the lovebirds 60 miles up the coast to Bodega Bay, mm-hmm. pull into the little general store, which is also okay, the post you office. Forgot. Drives like a crazy person. Yes. Oh, that's right. There's that shot of the birds like leaning back and forth. Mm -hmm. With the tires screeching every time she makes a a corner's a turn. Everyone knows this area because they use it a lot in car commercials. Mm. They use it a lot in car commercials. But then she gets gets there, right? Yeah. And um, um, I think this is when I uh, fell asleep because she's just driving and driving and driving and driving. And then she goes to the post office and asks the guy where Mitch lives. And of course, he immediately volunteers the information to this total stranger. No, because this confirmation, this conversation seems to go on forever. Steve. Yeah, well, yeah. She asks him like two or three times, and he finally sort of goes like, "Uh," and he like comes out from behind uh-huh. the counter and points and out the house like, to her. Can I drive there? And he's like, "Sure," but then she wants to take a boat. Yeah, because right? you could take a because you have to drive. It's on the other side of the bay, so you'd have to drive all the way around. And she's like, "I or could you, just take a boat straight across." And he's like, "I'll get you a boat." And you're like, "Yay!" And um, the <laughs> post office guy is is seems to like her or something. And um, they can't seem to agree on Mitch's sister's name. Right. She wants she to wants know to put- the sister's name so she can give the birds directly to her. Right. She wants to put him put her name on the card. Right. And then whatever's in the card, which I guess is the practical joke, like, um, ha ha, you don't know me. What? A, what oh, what a great prank, Steve. Yeah. So let's like, just. I got birds and all the windows are broken out in the house. <laughs> <laughs> this is nice. Um, but so then they, the clerk they, sends Melanie to Annie Hayworth's house. Right. So here, again, this is how committed she is to this practical joke. She's driven to this town. She's asked around to find out where Mitch lives. They can't decide what Mitch's sister's name is. So the right. guy at the post office says, oh, just go to the school teacher's house and yeah. ask her. And Melanie's like, okay, that's a totally normal thing that I'm going to do. Right. And so she does cut, it. Cut to... Um, her driving to Annie's house, and Annie's all, like, working in the garden. And Melanie, uh, I haven't said this yet, is wearing a fur coat and high heels. Yes. She's dressed up real nice. Yeah. And, City folk. Um, yeah. And Annie tells Melanie that Mitch's sister name is Kathy. And um, she kind of figures out that Melanie is looking for Mitch. And then she sees the lovebirds. And she's like, oh, God, I bet they're fucking each other. And that makes me very angry because I have a problem with Mitch that we'll find out later. <laughs> and, and Melanie is not, um, at this point for me, 
Melanie isn't super likable, is she, Steve? Not not a whole lot, no. Not so In much. In fact, she seems to be more like a creepy psychopath than anything else. <laughs> but Melanie goes back to the dock, and she takes her birds with her. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the ranch, and then she takes a little tiny boat over to Mitch's house. Yeah. And that goes on for about nine years. Yeah, we get to and see her cross the bay in real time. Yeah. In her fur, in her in her fur coat, and and you know her shortcut shirt, shirt skirt, excuse me, <laughs> and um, a great white shark does not attack and eat her. That's a different no, movie. Different and on movie. Another coast. Yeah, different movie. Um, but then she spies on him. She turns off the 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 outboard motor and she sees who we assume is Mitch. Yeah. Go out to the barn. There's a house and there's a barn. So she paddles her boat to shore, and she ties it up, and then she quickly goes into the house, puts the birds down, and leaves a note, and then she sneaks out, and she goes out to the... Wait, she goes out into the water, Yeah. she paddles out, and then she sits there, and she leans down, she's peeking over the top, looking, and then he goes in the house, and then he comes out as if some, there was a body in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he, he has a gun. And no. she watches, and then he... Um, sees the boat she's starting to start she's trying to start the boat and it won't start and he gets out these big old binoculars and he sees them and he's like i knew she wanted my dick (laughs) oh yeah she looks really satisfied what a great prank and then she gets the motor started she goes back to the other side of the bay as she watches mitch drive like a lunatic (laughs) around the bay to meet her and she looks kind of smug and you know like "Mm -hmm, i did it and then um she composes herself and she's getting ready and um, she's just kind of sitting there and then a seagull swooshes down from nowhere and hits her head. Uh-oh. And Mitch, as she's coming up, Mitch is like, are you okay? That seagull, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Never seen and that happen before. Guys, we're a quarter way into the film. <laughs> so far, it's the bird. So far, it has been <laughs> wacky, crazy lady pranks a guy. <laughs> Anyway, he helps her up, and um, she seems, like, discombobulated. Like, this is the most traumatic thing that ever happened to her, is a bird swept down and hit her head. Right. Guys, I took one of my kids to the San Francisco Zoo, and you can't eat outside at the San Francisco Zoo, and I'll tell you why. Me and my kids were having hot dogs, and this took less than a second to happen. Seagull lands on table, grabs hot dog out of bun from my child's hand, swallows it there, and then takes off again. It literally took this long. Boom, swallow, fly away. <laughs> what the fuck? None of us just stood there in a daze like we wait, I thought mankind was the master of all. What is this bird doing? <laughs> Anyway, he takes her up to the restaurant. Yeah. And he's like, he's like dabbing her head. And, you know, she finds out. They talk about, oh, God. He, she pretends that she didn't come up just to drop off the birds. And she lies to him some more, saying that she's friends with Annie. Right. And she doesn't know that Annie was trying to get Mitch's dick for a long time. And Mitch has gotten has got problems or something and he's sure that she Melanie came to see him and then a cold breeze blows through the restaurant <laughs> as his mother shows oh, up oh yeah and she's like i want her dead before nightfall <laughs> no one is good enough
enough for my son. Mm-hmm. It's like she's really not interested in her 35-year-old son dating anybody or something. No. But Mitch is like, oh, yeah, Mom, we'll check this out. I'm inviting her to dinner, and there's no way that you can do anything to stop it. Um, but Mom kind of goes, fine, fuck you. I hate you so much. I hope, I hope birds come and destroy all of our lives. <laughs> Why are you like this? That's right. She's not happy about no, it. No, not at all. Gonna, it's going to happen no matter what. So then Melanie goes back to Annie's house and asks if she could rent a room for the night, right? Right. Because she has a room for rent in the window. And he says, sure, you're just trying to fuck the guy that I was trying to fuck to the point which I moved to Bodega Bay. <laughs> right. And they look up, and there's a bunch of sea, but seagulls flying overhead. And she says, oh, yeah, they're, they're migrating birds or something, right? Yeah. What is this movie about again? Birds. <laughs> doing what? Just flying around in the background? Just being birds. Yeah, just doing bird shit, you know. <sighs> that night, Melanie pulls up to the Brenner house in her sports car, um, and she rings the bell, and uh, the family uh, comes around the house or something. I yeah. don't remember. They and were outside for some reason, yeah. Mitch Feeding the chickens Kathy, or something. Yeah. And Kathy runs up, and um, she hugs Melanie and thanks her for the birds. Mitch is like, those were mine. I bought those. <laughs> <laughs> They were all looking at the chickens, which are all behaving weird, like they won't eat or something. Yeah. One of them has been drawing pictures of murdering people, and another (laughs) one is in the background practicing knife-throwing skills. (laughs) But Lydia thinks there's something wrong with feet or something. Everything's a hand wave. They hand wave it off. It's fine. Chickens are fine. Yeah. One of them, I I clearly heard, after I said, chick, 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 I clearly heard, buck, buck, fuck you. (laughs) I can't prove that, because I didn't record it, but... You know, anyway, dinner. They scratched the word soon into the ground. (laughs) That was weird. (laughs) So the Mitch is condescending to his mom, just like he's condescending to, I think, all women. And Lydia has a heated conversation about the chickens with some guy named Fred. Yes. Right? Yes. She thinks that Fred sold him bad feed. That's right. And the other chickens, they ain't eating either. And a few of them stole a car. And they ran into a liquor store and they held it up. I don't know what's going on. Why aren't they doing what they're supposed to do? (laughs) And thankfully, thank Christ, we didn't have to sit through this entire evening because they did a dissolve to show time passing. And we see that Melanie's playing the piano and Kathy talks to Melanie about... What is it? Kathy defends hoods. She's all... Oh, yeah, she says Mitch, because Mitch is a defense attorney. And Kathy's a little judgmental about his clients, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. And then Kathy invites Melanie to their birthday party the next day. And then Lydia cross-examines Mitch about Melanie because... Lydia has read about Melanie in the papers. Oh, yeah. Because she saw gossip columns, was seen jumping naked into a fountain in Rome, amongst other things, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. She has, I guess she has kind of like a party girl reputation. I apparently. guess. Yeah. Considering how she got there and why. <laughs> but Mitch, in his smug, manly ways, says, Don't, why? I can handle some weird broad that has no, apparently doesn't obey the laws and just yeah. does whatever she wants. She creepily stalked me all the way up here. It's my business, Mom. I, just shut up and dry the dishes. That's right. Golly. God. You had 
one baby late in life and you got all crazy after take this out on kathy i'm grown and so mitch mitch melanie's going back to her car she's getting ready to go Mitch says, I'd like to see you in San Francisco. And I'm going to tease you about that fountain thing. And um, she keeps saying, she was pushed. People pushed me in the fountain. And, well, first they ripped my clothes off, and then they pushed me. Um, Terrorists. Terrorists came and took all my clothes off and pushed me in the fountain. And then she admits that she was lying about Annie. Well, duh, because he knows who Annie knows, because he lured Annie there to Bodega Bay because he apparently attracts crazy psycho ladies who throw their entire lives away in San Francisco to come pursue this dude. But he keeps teasing her. She gets um, irritated. Um... And I don't remember what the movie is about again, because we've... This... Steve! It's... it's, What is happening? It's birds. It's about birds. This movie is, like, half over already! (laughs) But you see birds perching around places... That doesn't... Oh, boy. They're perching. They're getting ready. Oh, boy. What are those birds You know what I to? saw? Walking to the garage to record this? What? Perching birds. Oh, fuck, man. You better be careful over there. You're right, in the, you're right in the neighborhood, too. You're in Northern California. Anyway, Melanie goes back to Annie's house. Yeah. And Annie gives her a drink, and um, she says, you're going to need it after spending all that time with that asshole Mitch. <laughs> and they talk. And Annie tells her, I used to live in San Francisco, but I came to Bodega Bay for a weekend when Mitch invited her, and I guess I just stayed. I fucked everything else off that I had going on in the city, and now I live here and I'm a teacher. Um, Because the thing with Mitch didn't work, but she liked Bodega Bay, supposedly. And she wanted to be near Mitch, even if they could only be friends. Yeah, they broke up. Oh, yeah. And then there's some... Stupid psychoanalyzing of Lydia, in which Annie thinks Lydia is possessive and pushes Mitch's girlfriends away, right? Right, because, because uh, Mitch's Lydia father Lydia wants died. to fuck his, her own son. Yeah. And pretend that Kathy is their daughter for some sense of normalcy <laughs> because we don't know what happened to his dad. <sighs> Annie says, after so they broke up, so she said they broke up and then she moved there, right? Yeah, I think so. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, does anyone have a problem with that? No? Okay, good. <laughs> Perfectly normal behavior. And then Mitch calls the house for Melanie. Right. And um, to ask her to come to the birthday party again. And Melanie agrees. And um, um, uh, what's Annie goes into a room and scream, screams into a pillow that's shaped exactly like Mitch. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But Annie's going too. And then there's a knock on the door. Yeah. Something's knocking at the door. What, what's at the door, Steve? A dead seagull. Oh, someone delivered a... I, yeah. They got my request for a dead seagull delivery. <laughs> oh, one, boy. Of my, one of my wacky pranks. <laughs> I thought it was too late. I didn't think it was going to come tonight. No, apparently the seagull crashed into the door and killed itself. Yeah, a kamikaze because seagull. it knew what the other birds were going to do and it couldn't live with it. <laughs> I tried to warn you. Get out, get out. And then she says, maybe the gull lost its way in the dark. And Melanie points out, but there's the full moon. Bump, then, bump, bump. <laughs> anyway. Are you scared yet? Or uh, do I need to nudge you awake? You didn't even finish your popcorn, honey. <laughs> Is this movie over yet? It only has 15 minutes left, so let's get back to it. Finally. Finally. Time for some carnage. Yes. It's Kathy's party. Mm -hmm. And the kids are all playing. Um, Mitch and Melanie climb up on a bank by the seaside to get drunk. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And Mitch is like, stay for dinner. 
And they flirt. And Melanie reveals that uh, she, like, raised money for a Korean boy to go to school. Sure you did. Sure you did. You liar. <laughs> You've lied about everything. She says she's taking classes at Berkeley to approve herself. Sure you are. Yeah, you do. I bet you do. How many classes are you missing on this extended prank? Huh? <laughs> huh, Melanie? How many? She doesn't have classes on Fridays or the weekends. But we also found out that Melanie's mommy abandoned her. Mm -hmm. And that makes her wounded and a deep <laughs> thinker. And um, no, I don't believe anything that comes out of her mouth now. Right? Why would her mom... She's rich. Her dad's rich. Right? Yeah. Okay. And her mom Apparently. abandoned her. <laughs> she's like, I'm so disgusted that I had a child. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> So they go back to the party. Yep. Where the kids are playing some fucking game. Yeah, I don't some know. kids game. I don't know. Annie's supervising. Kathy has a blindfold on. And um, Andy and Lydia um, both give Mitch and Melanie dagger eyes. Right? They're like, <laughs> oh, I knew it. They went up there and they got drunk and they fucked. But that gets interrupted when a seagull comes down and says, hey, what's up, peeps? Any cake for me? <laughs> right? And then he uh, bops Kathy right in the forehead. And now all the birds come and they're like, let's pop these balloons. <laughs> That's the let's signal. <laughs> let's go. Come on, guys. We're more than an hour into the film. You heard me right. We're more than an hour into the film. <laughs> dive, dive, dive. Dive. We got to get the actual plot going. Remember this last hour? You don't need to. It doesn't feed into anything else that happens from this point forward. <sighs> so the birds so attack. So the birds come in, they attack. One pins a bird. Don't ask me how a bird can pin anybody. Pins a little girl down on the ground and is like pecking at its neck. And other birds are flying around and they get all the kids and they run them inside the house. Right? Yeah. And Melanie and Mitch are like, huh, what was that was all about? <laughs> what do you know about that? And Mitch uses it as an opportunity to convince Melanie to stay for dinner. Yeah, he's like, hey, come on, I'll feel a lot better if you stay for he dinner. He is gonna get his dick wet, it doesn't matter what just happened. <laughs> he's surrounded by crying children and panicked parents. But he's like, <laughs> I can use this. <laughs> what are they all so upset about? All oh, the birds. That's right. Anyway, we got plenty of roast beef left if you want to. So, so it's nighttime. Who in the hell serves roast beef at a child's party? I don't know. <laughs> Guess what, honey? We're inviting all your friends over to celebrate your 11th birthday, and what we're having like? roast beef. <laughs> oh, Mom, I wanted fish. <sighs> so they're in the house. It's nighttime. The lovebirds are going crazy because they want to get some. Oh, yeah. But they're in the, um, Kathy wants Melanie to stay the night, and... <laughs> He's like, finally. Here we go. <laughs> and then the birds come back. Through the chimney. Through the chimney, and it's all chaos. And the room is all filled with birds, and the women are, like, hiding and covering their eyes. And Mitch thrashes around with a blanket to get... Because it's all sparrows, right? Yeah. <sighs> and you can see that they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they're... It's, yeah. They're animated. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're a lot of birds. It's a lot of birds. And then we get Officer Owl. Owl, not owl. <laughs> well, he Sorry. could be. <laughs> and he's examining. Yeah, it's a bunch of owls in a human costume. <laughs> I don't see um, a problem here. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this doesn't seem like anything. The birds attack. They don't do that. You guys are crazy. Stop it. Stop lying you to know? the police. That's a crime. Good night. He's looking at a dead bird. 
Um, so, uh, Melanie takes Kathy to bed, and she says, yeah, I am going to spend the night. Where does she sleep? Who cares? <laughs> she wakes up the next morning, and she looks out the window, and Lydia is driving Kathy to school, and plans to go visit her neighbor's farm. You know, the ones where the chickens were. Right, she's going to read him the riot act for selling her that bad feed. And then we follow the car away, which is the first time in the movie that you leave Melanie's POV. That's right. God, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Lydia drives her green truck to Mr. Fawcett's after dropping off Kathy, and she missed Mr. Fawcett's helper. Yeah. Who says, I haven't seen him all morning. I don't know what happened. I heard a bunch of birds, and then he disappeared. It's weird. I've been working it's, outside in front of this weird. part of the house and that and only this part of the house. Also, the chickens nearly pulled me into the coop. <laughs> <laughs> some of them had guns. So Lydia goes into the house and she sees some broken teacups. Hmm. Um, and she's like, ah, that's just like ones in my house after the birds attacked. I wonder if that means anything. Also, these birds, by the way, by the way, Steve, by the way, mm. Steve. Yes, yes, way, yes. These birds don't shit or lose feathers. They don't seem to ever, no. Mm-hmm. I got a bird that got in the house once, and it left feathers and shit everywhere as we tried to get it out of the house. Well, yeah, that's all they do. Yeah, that's all they do. I prefer bats. At least bats don't shit all over the place when they get in the house. <laughs> and they're more fun. Because <laughs> if you want to see people freak out really bad... Have a house wind up. Have a bat fly into your house. They freak oh, out yeah. 900. And the bird is like, oh, the poor bird can't get out. If it's a fucking bat, they're like, kill it with fire, daddy. Kill it. <laughs> get the nail gun out. No. <laughs> I want to do it. I want to kill it. So she goes in the house and she's looking for Mr. Fawcett. And she doesn't find him. The end. Oh, no, no. What? She finds him all right. Are you sure? Because everything up to this point has been nothing happens. The end. <laughs> She goes back the hallway to his bedroom. Oh, oh, oh that's the relationship they have. Yeah, I get it. Okay, she's like, I'm wearing that thing you like, and I brought that dildo. Let's take, <laughs> let's get it on. But alas, it is not to be because yeah. when she gets to his bedroom, she opens the door. There's broken windows, <laughs> dead yep. birds everywhere. Right. And there's poor old Farmer Fawcett laying on the floor in his pajamas with his eyes torn out. That's gross. And he's dead. And I guess since Lydia's not going to get her hookup, no. she runs oh, out, doesn't tell bother to tell the farmhand. <laughs> <laughs> Just drives straight back to her house. Yep. <laughs> She gets in the car, and uh, Mitch and Melanie try to ask her uh, what's wrong, but she just comes inside. Maybe she should tell somebody. At some point. So Mitch is going to go over to the Fawcett farm to meet with Officer Al. And Melanie stays to look after Lydia, and I bet Lydia loves that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. It'll give me a chance to get to know her. Oh, and, and before he leaves, and Mitch gives Melanie a little kiss and a little snuggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess they got Because I guess they're in going. love now. He's in love yeah. with the crazy liar lady. They have a thing now. They've known each other for a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's Mitch. Come on. Melanie takes tea to Lydia, who's worried about Kathy at school. And Melanie's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> then Lydia talks about how much she misses her husband and how she wished that all of those Pelotons hadn't come and carried him away. But <laughs> she complains about how weak she is without her husband and that she's... Uh, 
not sure that she likes Mitch liking Melanie because she's afraid she's going to be left alone or something. Right. And we're not sure why she's telling Melanie this. But then she says, okay, I shared. Now go do something for me. I want you to go to get Kathy from school and make sure her eyes don't get pecked out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want her to die like the rest of those children are going to. That's right. Please do it. So Melanie pulls up at school and she goes inside and all the students are singing this song. And I don't even know what the fucking song is, do you? Me neither, but I don't know, but it lasts forever. They sing it for an absurd amount of time. It's got about it was like Annie was like, on. I'm not really a teacher and I don't have anything for them to do for the next 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, children, get out your songbooks and you're going to re- sing this song over and over again. It's like one of those Bob Dylan songs where he just drops it in the middle of the album and it's like 20 minutes long. Hopefully. Like, what the fuck? By the time you're done, I'll be sober again. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Don't so forget Melanie, the hand gestures. Melanie goes outside. She sits on a bench in one of mm-hmm. the greatest scenes ever shot. In which she is sitting on the bench. We're hearing we're hearing the benches in front of a jungle gym facing away from it. Right. We hear the kids singing and um you see a bird fly and land on the jungle gym and then there's some more and then there's some more and Melanie doesn't notice because she's smoking. She's right. A disgusting smoker. Sinner. And the kids keep singing until the point when you think your ears are gonna explode and more and more birds are showing up. Oh, they're all crows, right, Steve? Oh, yeah. And she looks up and she sees a bird flying and she follows it with her eyes and then it goes down and lands on the jungle gym and says, you guys ready for this? <laughs> and there's Are you like ready a... for the greatest day of your whole life? <laughs> and there's like a million birds there. See, you can kind of tell if you look closely that some of the birds are fake or stuffed because only yeah. a few of them are moving. And um, Melanie has a low-grade freak out. <laughs> she goes back into the school and all the kids are getting ready to go where, Steve? To go out for recess. <laughs> Oops, that's not going to work. Because the crows are all ready for recess, aren't they, Steve? <laughs> that's why they're there. They got they 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 dropped over the day before just to get the timing. I'm like, okay, they go. They take lunch at eleven thirty. Okay, be back here tomorrow at eleven thirty. Yeah. Melanie, Melanie comes stumbling in with pee down her leg. Tells <laughs> Annie, look out the window. She sees the birds. And so then her and Melanie decide they have to get the kids out. Why? They're safe. The birds are waiting for them to come out. That much is important. Why are you doing the thing that the birds want you to do, you dumb broads? What's wrong with you? Why not just find a way to block the windows or Or go into the the basement or something? Nobody ever goes into the basement in this movie. These houses (laughs) must have basements. We really don't. Not in California. No basements at all? If it doesn't snow, you don't need a, you know, you don't really need a basement. We store God, all of our shit you, in the garage. How do you survive? <laughs> uh, we, we learn to adjust. What keeps your houses from blowing away? Mm-hmm. So instead, they organize a fire drill in which they say, Hey, kids, listen, <laughs> I want you to run screaming as fast as you can out of the barn. Just head to the hotel. Just run into the field. Do whatever. We don't care. <laughs> but we want you to go straight home if you can live close. And the rest of you, close your eyes and pray to baby Jesus. Because death is outside, children. There's and death. No, and no stopping for birds. No, don't pet the pretty birds because they want to kill you. Okay, you guys ready? They don't actually don't tell them any of that. They say, move as fast as you can to the hotel or to your homes. Right. Great, great plan, guys. <laughs> and they go out. What happens, Steve? Uh, the birds attack pretty much immediately. 
The kids are running, screaming in terror. They're pecking. The birds are landing on them, getting in their hair and pecking yeah. them in their neck. And Kathy and Melanie are running, and some little kid falls over and loses her glasses. And they get into a car, and they roll up the windows, and the birds are all over the car. And Melanie honks the horn, I guess, because she wants to move, but she can't because the, the birds are in the way. you got to honk the horn to get the birds out of the way so she can start her car, right, Steve? Yeah. And that's actually kind of what happens. They all just yeah. kind of fly away. I guess they killed yeah. all the rest of the kids. The ki- They're good. Yeah. <laughs> They're fine. The kids are all dead. The birds are full. And then we hard cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To Melanie in the town diner, not the police station, not the firehouse, not the hospital, nowhere. She drives past the dead children being eaten by crows or the ones (laughs) running through the field with nine crows over their head. And she goes to the best place to go for this, the diner. Does she call the cops? No. She does not. No. The SPCA, maybe? Mm-mm. Well, who does she call, Steve? She calls her father, the newspaper man. And she's trying to convince him that there have been deadly bird attacks. And it sounds like he don't buy it. No, he's probably on the other end going, sure, honey, deadly bird attacks, and making like the drinky-winky motion with his hand. <laughs> like, sure. Hey, fellas. Sure. Were you naked in a fountain in for the bird Bay. attacks too, Melody? Huh? <laughs> oh. Remember that time when you pretended to put menstrual blood in the queen's wine? That was hilarious. We can't go back to we can't go back to Europe, Melanie, because of you. I hope yeah. there are birds. I hope there's lots of them. <laughs> I sent the birds, Melanie. You drove the woman I love away. <laughs> it's all your fault. I wish I'd gone with her. Jesus Christ! You condemned me to a horrible life as a wealthy bachelor newspaper tycoon. <laughs> Anyway, Mrs. Bundy shows up, and yeah. she's an old lady, and she's an ornithologist. And she knows everything What about a coincidence. Birds. Yeah, it's great. She also disappears right after she's do- they're done with her. She, yeah, she gets her one scene of exposition, well, and then she's out. I would have out. loved for her to go out and get attacked by birds. That's what she gets. <laughs> she was like, birds don't do that. Birds don't attack. Birds are, are wonderful creatures that God put on this earth to make our lives happy, especially mine, since I could never get a man of my own. Birds! Don't you badmouth birds! <sighs> <sighs> so then Melanie tries to call Mitch. Meanwhile, everyone in the di- diner is arguing. One drunk guy is saying it's the end of the world, while everyone else is like, well, birds couldn't attack the school. And a fisherman says that b- the birds, the gulls have been attacking his boats. Yeah. And a, mo- a mom in the corner says, everyone shut up because you're scaring my children! <laughs> And someone should have said, oh, yeah, well, Lydia stumbled upon a guy whose eyes had been poked out while he was sleeping in his pajamas. The birds killed him in her, in his house. There's nowhere that you're safe. Yeah, and one guy says, well, we should kill all the birds because that wouldn't cause an environmental collapse. But Mrs. Bundy's like, oh, there's too many birds for that. They'd win. And I'm like, bullshit, we got flamethrowers. We'll be fine. Yeah. Is that a challenge, old lady? And there's more arguing, and the mom keeps getting more and more hysterical. And then Mitch shows up, and Melanie tells him that Kathy is at Annie. She's at Annie's house. Right. right? And he's right. like, oh, good, so I don't have to worry about her. And he's like, no. <sighs> and 
So everyone is just talking. It's just more arguing. And the mom leaves with their kids because they're going to go to San Francisco. Right. And Mitch talks to the fisherman. And the fisherman's like, despite the fact the fish are attacking my boats, it's probably just because they want they want fish, right? They're attracted to the fish. Yeah, no big deal. Um, Nothing unusual. And Mitch is like, well, you smoke to confuse the birds, which came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I just thought of it. I haven't really, you know, worked it through, but maybe. So then she well then all of a sudden Melanie hears the bird shrieking and um they look through the window and outside they see a seagull come down and knock a guy over at a gas pump. Uh oh. And Mitch goes outside with a with like Al and some others and um the mom with her kids come running back in and um the guy at the pump, they don't recognize, they can't smell, I guess, that the, the nozzle is just spilling yeah, gallons spilling of gas gasoline, everywhere, yeah. And it's pouring down the street with some park, towards some parked cars. And then they see a guy get out of his car and say, oh, what do I feel like doing? I smell gasoline. Hmm. You know what? I'll light up a big old stogie. This huge stogie with whatever is handy. I know this burning branch. I'll do that. People in the diner is like, don't do it. Don't smoke. It's bad for you. Don't believe the doctors in this time frame. It'll give you cancer and you'll die. Also, you might ignite the pools of gasoline around your feet that you can't feel or smell. What? But he, he gets the car gets bloated up and he oh gets boy. burned and other cars started to explode. And then the fire is going back up to the gas pump. And I guess to help emphasize that the fire is moving, we get the stupidest yeah. editing I have ever seen, which are a series of vignettes, basically. Yeah, like almost like frozen static shots. Frozen of static shots of Tippy Hundred looking one way. Then cut to the fire moving up the the gasoline. You see, it's very much like you have a can of gasoline, <laughs> which is the yes. sun. Explode Every- the gas station in Bodega Bay, gentlemen, <laughs> and you explode the universe. Everyone has to go back for our Plan 9 review to get that joke. Anyway, um, and then it cuts to her looking, frozen static shot of her looking in the middle, and then her looking in the other direction. It's dumb. It makes you laugh out loud, Steve. It's funny. It's genuinely funny. At a time where it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Anyway, um, then the gas station explodes, right? Mitch is dead. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, <laughs> you would think, dead. but no, actually, he's, he's miraculously survived. And then we have another great shot. One of my actually one of my favorite shots in this entire movie, in which we have gone way above the town, and it's a bird's eye view. Oh, nice! Get it? Get it? Nice. But it's completely quiet, and you start seeing seagulls flying into frame as they hover over the town, more and more and more of them, and they're like, "This shit is on! <laughs> Look at what we did with one bird. We did that with one guy. Good job, Hubie. You're welcome." <laughs> Let's go! Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And uh, for some reason, all the people are running out of the diner. Why? I wouldn't, but they are. <laughs> they hate safety. They hate safety, and Melanie they're... runs outside, and she runs into a phone booth. It's and because they're Americans, damn all it. The seagulls are tearing this shit apart. Oh. And um, some birds smack into the phone booth and shatter the grass, glass. Some guys... <laughs> 
Okay, so one guy is driving down the street, stops conveniently for her to see inside where somehow four or five seagulls have gotten in or attacking him, and then he drives off again. Pull over, pull over, pull over. Another guy comes out, and he's, he looks mildly upset because there's a bunch of birds on him, and someone spilled ketchup all over his face. <laughs> And she can't get out because the birds keep blocking up the door. But then Mitch, with his masculine powers, grabs him and she pulls him into the restaurant. And everybody in the restaurant is hiding in, like, the back, right? Yeah, the smart people. Everybody uh, looks traumatized. And, oh, and there's the the ornithologist. She's traumatized. She she does come back, but she don't say nothing. Like, I was wrong. I was horribly wrong. I I wasted my time studying monsters. (laughs) But then the mom has a freak out. Oh, yeah. She thinks that it's Melanie's fault because none of the was happening before she came to town and then she says she's evil yeah and then melanie smacks the shit out of her i would have done more than that (laughs) (laughs) you would have dragged her across the fucking countertop old west style yeah i would have it would have been like bang bang five hits boom boom watch this kids i'm beating up your mom for being a freak she's a monster she's the reason why the salem witch trials happen bang bang boom boom The Maybe reason Senator the reason, McCarthy huh? came into power. Kick, bang. Getting all my frustrations <laughs> out. Fucking Republican bullshit. Fuck you. Probably a Nazi collaborator, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the owner comes back and he says, the birds are going away. Phew. Oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> so Mitch and Melanie go to Annie's house. Yep. Right? Yeah. They go by the school and it's all mm-hmm. covered with birds and the birds are like, this is ours now. This and the jungle gym are ours. Go away. <laughs> it's the bird school. And they go past... And they get to Annie's house, and there's someone sleeping out in front of Annie's house. Mm -hmm. Just taking a little nap. Just taking a little nap. And I guess Mitch doesn't have to worry about Annie being creepily stalking him by moving to his hometown anymore, huh, Steve? No, that page has been turned. And they're like, oh no, where's Kathy? But thankfully, Kathy is in the window crying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They wouldn't go away, so I pushed Annie out. (laughs) <laughs> I thought they wanted a sacrifice. I thought I was and doing they gave the right it to thing. him and they left. See, it worked. <laughs> Mitch seems distraught. He wants to throw a rock at one of the crows, but they're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, what Melody's like, "What? Hey, dipshit, put the rock down." Oh yeah. <laughs> so he puts his coat over Annie and he takes her inside the house. And uh, as they're driving away, Kathy's all like. Annie went outside when they heard the explosion and then all the birds came out. And that Annie pushed Kathy inside and then the right. birds got her. So Annie's a hero. Yeah. So you hear that, Mitch? You're stuck with the liar psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the good woman who loved you is dead. Cut to Mitch's house and he's boarding up the windows because the zombies are coming. That's right. He Everyone's... hasn't seen Night of the Living Dead yet. It's still a few years, but he's way ahead of the curve. And Mitch is all like, I'm smart, and I've noticed that they attack and they go away. And then I guess they they mad. They talk about what they did, and I guess they're having big old funny bird parties. <laughs> and they get bored and they attack again. That's right. And Melanie can't reach her father because the phone's dead. Um, and then uh, Lydia says there's no news on the radio. Except there was a brief statement that crows attacked stool children. That's about it. That's because they got the parrots to take over the news broadcast. Those aren't people. Those are parrots. And, and crows and minor birds. And they all can speak English. <sighs> Is that it? The end? Oh, That's no, the rejected twist ending. No, Mil- um, Mitch after builds they a bl- fire. 
Yeah, they board up the house. They put a fire in the fireplace because I guess it doesn't have a flue they can just close to keep the birds from getting in. Yeah, Lydia's getting hysterical and she wants to leave. We should leave. But Mitch is like, no, I won't let these birds defeat me. (laughs) (laughs) This is my house. And then she says, I wish Mitch's dad was here because he's a real man. And Kathy's like, why did you have to bring up dad? Are we going to find out what happened to him? Is anyone going to say what happened to dad? Are we going to bring up the fact that he went outside and did a ritual, which he called the bird got down? Please accept this sacrifice. And then he died. I give you this town, oh great bird god. <sighs> okay, so uh, Mitch and Melanie go back to boarding up the house some more, right? Yeah. Super fun. Oh, yeah. And then it's later that night, and they're all sitting around while Mitch tries to act like he's got the situation under control by checking their defenses, which is just boarded up windows. Kathy asks, can I bring the lovebirds into the living room? And um, Lydia's like, no, when you bring them in there, I'm going to crush them in my hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what the hell is wrong They're with you? birds, you, you idiot. They want us dead. Read the room, kid. Kathy asks, why are they doing it? They're probably the best answer would be because Hitchcock is a masochist. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Everyone is looking around in the air. Kathy goes to the bathroom to throw up. Oh, yeah. Melanie goes with her. More waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Then the birds come back and they're super loud, right? Oh, boy. They really let them have it. Yeah. They're like pecking through the door. Mitch throws some more wood on the fire. Not quite sure why he didn't block it up. Just stack firewood the in there, Mitch. just filled up with a bunch of dead birds. Yeah, just just stack firewood up so nothing can get through. Then we hear some glass shatter. Uh-oh. Right? Yeah, they're getting through the windows. Yeah. <clears throat> and birds are starting to get through the door. The wood is splintering. How? <laughs> we don't know. It <laughs> just is. They're pecking through the door. I thought balsa wood was a strong wood. Apparently I'm wrong. I was misled. Melanie thrashes around, and it, like, does she faint? Yeah, I don't Mitch know. Mitch gets his hands all pecked up. Right. Because he tries to close that window that they've got open. And then Lydia and Kathy just hide or, you know, cry, pee themselves or whatever. Wish Dad hadn't invoked this curse on the human race. <laughs> and then Mitch does something to the door, and... um. Then Mitch bandages his hand, right? Yeah, and then and the birds, they break off the attack again. They leave again. Yeah, they leave again. Um, and he, I guess Melanie just looks around. She's like, fuck. And then there's a big electric thing, and all the lights go out. The birds have have taken <laughs> out the lights. They cut the, oh, they cut the phone and the lights. You're all dead. <laughs> the birds have bombed the power plant. And then uh, the screeching gets fainter, and Mitch says, they're, go- they're going away. I bet they left. I bet they did. I bet they did. I bet <laughs> we they finally just defeated them for good. I bet they didn't just go, shh, watch, 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 watch. Later that night, the fire's still going, and Mitch is asleep, and Melanie is trying to think of some way to prank the birds. And Put their wings in water while they're asleep. So uh, she hears wings. Yeah. And like an idiot, she decides, I'm going to go investigate myself. I'm going to take this great big flashlight. Yeah. And um, she uh, goes off. She looks in the kitchen uh, where the lovebirds are. And she doesn't go, oh, we're going to kill you for last. (laughs) She goes up the stairs and she goes uh, to her room. Yeah. She hears fluttering behind the door. (laughs) Yeah. 
She just has to know, man. She just has to know what's yeah. behind that door. Yeah, and she opens it, and she sees a hole in the roof. How? We don't know. But the birds are all over the place in there. Oh, boy. And then she signs a light, and they pull her in the room, I guess. I, I, I guess, yeah. Somehow she's in the room, and the door's closed behind her, and the birds yeah. are having a field and day with her. Gasping and thrashing for 10 to 15 minutes while she can't open a door. And I guess they wear her out because she falls down, and no one has heard this apparently because she doesn't scream once. She's just gasping and. Uh, and then she says, Oh, Mitch, why? Are they that attached to each other at this point? <laughs> They're soulmates. And now she's on the ground blocking the door. Mitch shows up and goes, hey, do uh, you want to change it in there? you decent? Because I was thinking, I know a way that we can pass the time or something. It involves our <laughs> genitals. And uh, we may not get a chance because I think we're going to get eaten by birds because my dad did this weird voodoo thing. <laughs> uh, my, my, my mom isn't telling me all about it, but apparently we're corrupt seed or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, he gets her out. He drags her yeah. out of the room. Um, Kathy gets her drunk. Lydia gets some bandages, and uh, she wakes up, and she's freaking out, right? And then she goes oh, yeah. all catatonic with shock, right? Yep. And Mitch wants to get her to the hospital. Where? Not Santa Rosa, which is actually closer. Not any other town that's really close. He wants to take her where, Steve? I think he would, they want to go all the way to San Francisco, don't they? That's right. Yeah. And Lydia's like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's like, we got to. And so he goes out, and he and he's going to get Melanie's car. You know, the convertible. And <laughs> with the, with the, the convertible. The convertible, the, the ragtop, yeah. And, Good idea. Um, this is, uh, when he goes out to the garage, this is the only other time that you're away from Melanie's perspective. Did you realize that? I didn't realize that while I was watching it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, outside, the ground is covered with birds. Oh, boy. And lots of birds and other birds. I wanted there so bad to be like an ostrich outside. <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on? Um, one of them pecks him when he gets his hands too close. Um, but for the most part, they just stare at him. And they're like, what's up, buddy? What are you going to do now? I bet, I bet you think you're going to drive away in that convertible. Let me. It's a convertible, dude. It's a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking, Mitch? Anyway, he gets in the car and he turns on the radio, like you do. And there's an announcer who's really a parrot, who's like, everything is fine, come to the city. And it's not saying that. He says, there's been a few attacks outside of Bodega Bay, also in Bodega Bay. In fact, our reporter, when we sent him out there, screamed, ah, ah, the birds, they've got my tongue, and then nothing. <laughs> They're even talking no one's decided if they're going to send in the military yet. So then Bomb the birds. Slowly drives the car out, and you get lots of shots of the birds just kind of looking around. And he goes in the house, and he and Lydia help Melanie, who has no more lines in this movie. Right. <laughs> no, or no, she has one more line. Um, she's saying no, no, or something like that. Right, because she, she sees all the birds, and she's like, fuck this. But they Shouldn't drag her saying, out. I understand why you left, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's still wearing that fucking fur coat. Oh yeah. Well, hey, come on. She paid for it. <sighs> and they all um, 
He goes back, he gets Kathy, who still has the lovebirds. He should have picked up that fucking cage and just threw it. <laughs> just smashed it against the porch. And um, they all get in the car, this little sports car, and they drive away from the yards where there are zillions of birds just watching the car slowly drive away, where I have no doubt they'll attack it, where their deaths will be the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> And here's some trivia. There was an ending. To, there was a different ending to this movie. Because this is the end of the movie. This is the end, yes. But Jason, what about the birds and everything else? And what about all the other stuff? Why did we spend an hour and a half getting to know characters? That what, How does that work into the end? Shut up, shut up, shut up. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the original Movie's ending to this over. movie is they get to San Francisco and they see the Golden Gate Bridge and it's covered with what? Birds. That's right, birds. That was going to be the end. But I guess they figured, meh. Two Planet not, of the Apes. Let's not get to... It wasn't even made yet. I know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> guess that's a little too dark. Uh, the end. The end. A universal hey, picture. Hey, Steve. Yeah. How do you feel about this mostly relationship movie about crazy people stalking Rod Taylor? <laughs> the birds. <laughs> um... I get, I mean, you haven't done your review yet, so we don't know for sure, but I get the feeling we're going to disagree on this because I like this movie. I know you do. Um, I could tell. <laughs> so here's the thing, and I'm going to try to explain why I like it, because that's what a movie critic does. Um, so Alfred Hitchcock, as I think we would both agree, despite his being a huge asshole in his personal life, yeah. uh, was a, a fantastic filmmaker, mm. um, was a very incredibly talented director. Uh, he was capable of being more than a master of suspense. He was capable of, of telling stories, of introducing us to compelling characters, um, of drawing us into mysteries and sweeping us up in epic adventures. But it's that master of suspense tag that has sort of stuck with him more than the others. And to me, The Birds feels like an exhibition of that very particular set of skills that won Hitchcock that title. This film, to me, is Hitchcock as like a trick shot artist. He's just showing us how good he is at doing this particular thing. And f to me, from where I sit watching the movie, he's so good at it that that's really all the movie needs. Uh, the Birds is a demonstration of Hitchcock's rarely equal talent for building and maintaining suspense and for knowing exactly when to blow it off and when to start ratcheting it back up again. Um, it's certainly not one of his deeper films. There, um, <laughs> to say the least, there are nods, sort of vague uh. indications in the direction of larger themes like humanity encroaching on the environment and sort of the overall, the capriciousness of nature, what? the unpredictability of the bird phenomenon. Um, but even those are really only there to underline the, like the suspense stuff. Like the movie doesn't really feel like it has a whole lot to say about any of this. It's just sort of, boy, this is fucked up, huh? You know, this is scary, <laughs> right? Are you scared? Um, the characters are, are drawn well enough that we remember who they are, <laughs> you know, but that's really about it. Like they, they, they have one or two distinctive traits for us to grab onto. Um, I did like the fact that in some of the Mitch and Melanie scenes, those scenes are written so that it feels like they didn't just 
pull Mitch's job out of a hat and say, what does he do? He's a, he's an attorney, fine, whatever. Like they actually write those scenes as though he's a lawyer cross-examining somebody. Like they have an ebb and flow and they sort of push and pull with each other. And I enjoyed mm. that. Um, I like the little characterization they give Melanie where she does, you know, she seems like someone who maybe wants to move beyond the the practical joker thing but clearly she hasn't because she's so committed to giving these lovebirds to this guy she just met that she goes uh -huh. into this whole like she's like ludicrously committed to playing this prank um but other than that like the movie doesn't spend a lot of time establishing the characters um and really they're only there so that they can be put wait into a minute yeah more than half of this film's running time is supposedly establishing these characters. Yeah, but do you really feel like you know them? I mean, no. The, I, it, like the to to me the 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 parts leading up to when the bird attacks start. Like to me that that's just part of the tension building exercise. That's just part of trying to get us to wait for the other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't think it's necessary. I mean, yeah, we do. It, it, there's a lot of superficial character building. We get to see characters interacting with each other and going places and it's setting stuff up. But ultimately, I really don't think any of that matters in terms of character. It just, you know, like Melanie doesn't turn out to be that different of a person than the person she seems to be when we first meet her. Mitch doesn't turn out to be that different of a person than the person he seems to be when we first meet him. It's just... You know, it's sort of uh, building tension or setting expectations. Um, and so, and that's why I say the movie, I think the movie works, but it doesn't work because of its characters. It works because Hitchcock is able, at least for me, obviously, I, th I think you had a different reaction. But to me, I feel like Hitchcock is able to drag me to the edge of my seat and keep me there and then blow that tension off and then drag me back there again. The movie is just this repeated exercise of of something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, something happens, right? The birds attack, the birds retreat, they gather, they attack again, they retreat, they gather in even larger numbers, they attack again, worse than last time, and so on and so on. There are moments of, of absolute frenzied panic, and then those moments are contrasted with moments of agonizing silence and stillness, because there's no incidental music that reveal when Lydia goes to the farmhouse and finds Farmer Fawcett with his eyes pecked out like in any other movie there would be a massive sting when you cut to that shot of him laying there on the floor with his eyes pecked out and there's nothing there's just silent shot cut to a silent close-up and man it works it's so effective um and in the end uh that tension and that suspense is what hitchcock leaves us with that's all that there is of the movie um, there's maybe a little tiny hint at the end about some kind of resolution between uh, Melanie and Lydia, like Lydia has finally sort of accepted Melanie after they've lived through this in um, incredible trauma. But that's, you know, other than that, nothing is left resolved. The bird attacks are never explained. The fate of the characters isn't revealed. There's never even like, a, usually in a movie like this, there's a scene where somebody pitches a solution, you know, and they try something to fix it. There's not, there's none of that. There's no like a big assault on the birds or an attempt to, to defeat the birds or drive the birds, you know, off into the sea or whatever. There's <laughs> nothing like that. Nobody even attempts that. 
Um, and even the little bit with the lovebirds that they keep going back to, like something's going to happen, something's going to happen. Nothing happens. If the lovebirds ever turn heel, it happens after this movie is over. Hitchcock leaves us hanging. And to me, that's his final demonstration of his powers as a filmmaker. He winds us up one last time, and then he denies us that final release. And in fact, um, he here's a little bit of trivia. He even fought the studio over putting a closing logo after the final fade to black. He didn't mm. even want that. He didn't even want to give the audience the incredibly minor comfort of signaling that the movie was over. He just, he wanted just didn't want anyone else to know that other people made it. <laughs> what did Universal even do? It's my movie. I want the last um, shot to be me masturbating into a waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> You've caught me in a compromising moment. Uh, <laughs> um, now, of course, ultimately, Universal did make him put the logo at the end. But even there, yeah. even with that, I still think that tension remains. And I think that's the point. We're denied comfort. We're denied explanation. We're denied satisfaction. And that is very intentional on the part of Hitchcock. So I don't think that The Birds is Hitchcock's best film by far. Um, I don't think it has the emotional punch of Notorious, which is my personal favorite Hitchcock film. I don't think it's as mysterious as Vertigo, which is another Hitchcock movie that you don't like. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think it's like the epic adventure of North by Northwest. But I do think it is proof, in case we needed it, that Hitchcock was truly the master of suspense. And when he was on his game, that's really all he needed to be. So kind of a shallow movie. <laughs> But to me, it works because the suspense works. So there you go. That's what I have to say. My turn. Go. My turn. Do it. Can you like half a movie? <laughs> sure, you can. <laughs> Even though I like only about a little less than half the movie. So here's the thing. We spend a lot of time with Melanie and, and Mitch and his family and Annie and getting to know all of these people. And Steve says that's that's to contribute to the suspense of there's going to be something that happens. It's fine. You don't do more than an hour of that. Tension and suspense means that at some point, that tension needs to be released. Something needs to happen. We spend nearly more than an hour getting to know these people to the point in which you're kind of forgetting what the movie's going to be about. A couple of birds act weird in that period of time. <laughs> But that is about it. The parts that I like about this movie start with the birthday attack and that point forward. Now, that the, the ending of the movie would have been so much stronger if I actually gave a shit about any of the people that were in this. In order for me to feel tension, I need to know that I kind of like or give a shit about the people that I've been introduced to. And the people that I've been, been introduced to, that wasn't strong. And he took an absurd amount of time to get us to the point where birds start attacking shit. If you take that amount of time and then have the birds attack, I'm no longer in the movie because I'm not engaged with anything that's been going on up to this point. We've seen a crazy lady do a weird thing with birds as a prank for a guy that she may or may not like that she met for approximately 10 minutes at a pet store. <laughs> <laughs> There's some kind of love triangle, weird shit, a mom that doesn't like her, and a little kid who likes her a lot, apparently, and is constantly inviting her to stuff. 
But then you get the bird attack, which takes all of that stuff and dumps it directly into the toilet. And when you're watching it, you're like, why was that there? I didn't feel that it was building any tension. When the birds attack, they attack in force. There was nothing major that was leading up to that point. You know, guy got his eyes pecked out. Oh, no. I didn't know the guy. Never <laughs> met him. Don't know anything about him. He's just dead guy in his pajamas when we finally do meet him. I mean, just because characters talked about him before because Lydia's upset about her chickens doesn't do it for me. Now, I agree. He's uh, This film has some fantastic shots in it. It has some... F- and, and when the things start getting tense, yeah, you, it starts getting really good. The, the selection for having no soundtrack is fantastic. And I have to say, the end part of this movie is great. I don't need a resolution at the end. But it also kind of feels like, I, uh-oh, I don't have an ending to my movie. <laughs> Either they get away and they get away from the birds and you see them driving off, or they get killed by the birds. Those are the two horror movie endings for this movie, right? Right. But he opted for the, I don't know, any birds, they just drive away and there's birds there. The end, I guess. I don't, I I have no idea. I've kind of painted myself into a corner. I suppose I should have them all die, but I don't want to have that. People call me a monster. That's a distant monster for killing the little girl. I don't know. I didn't, like I said, I don't like the characters. And it's tedious. Boy, oh boy. I've, I think I've seen this three times. Four mm. now. And the the first part of this movie is a fucking chore. And everyone went into this movie based on his reputation because he can scare people. He went into this movie expecting the bird attack. And I can't imagine people are like, what's happening? Why? Why? They keep talking about birds, but I don't see anything happening. I want the lady next to me to get scared so she'll nuzzle up to me and smack a girl action. But so far, nothing's happening. It's just, oh, great. Now there's an old lady talking about birds. Why, why is this happening? I want birds to kill somebody. They, they do. It happens. It's it's a fairly satisfying payoff, but you have to really pay for it to get to that point. You really have to sit there and go, Gugh. And I can't help but think that this is just Hitchcock smelling his own goddamn farts up until that point. He knows he could do it. He could have filled this whole movie out. He could have gotten these characters done in 20 minutes. Instead, he, it makes us sit through this relationship garbage with these people that whose motivations aren't clear. And then <laughs> release the, the spring and get, get us to go. I was legitimately starting to forget the plot of the movie. It was like, oh, birds attack. That'll be great. In hour seven of this fucking <laughs> slog. Does that mean I hate the movie? No. Like I said, once once things start paying off, once things, start, you know, the, the, the shots in this are fantastic. They're great. Um, and so I don't hate it. I'm not going to give it necessarily a negative review. But guys, if you want to watch it and you're like, I don't know if I need to sit through the first part of this movie, you don't. You don't. If nothing that transpires transpires in the first hour of the movie means anything to the last part of the movie, you don't gotta watch it. You can start right before the, right before the birthday party, where Mitch and and Melanie are on the banks drinking and having a little chit chat. They go back to the party. Boom! Bird attack. There's your movie. It'll be shorter, and you'll enjoy it more <laughs> because you've missed nothing. Okay. So while I'm, I like it, and I'm gonna recommend people see it because there's boy, oh boy, did people steal from this? Ooh. Holy shit! Oh yeah, did people steal from this movie? Um, well, except for the weird editing during the the gas running <laughs> the thing. Um, 
I'm going to say, you guys, if you guys really want to get all of the, the watching a lady go from point A to point B to pull off a prank for 25 fucking minutes, <laughs> then watch that part. But, okay, fine. I'm going to say it. It is a classic. It is a classic. But not all of it. So go see half of it. <laughs> Steve, classic? Oh, fine. Uh, Why yeah, don't I even I'll, talk to yeah, you? Yeah, I'll go Any- classic. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. You just keep playing along with the man who says that it's supposed to be super <laughs> if, good. If you don't have an ending for your movie, just One day on our black. show, I will give a positive review to some Hitchcock movie, but just so far he's batting the old boy. <laughs> what? Why do you hate my movies? Because you keep showing me your dick, Hitch. No. <laughs> but I want to. It's good to not get the things you want. Oh, no. Steve? Yes? Do you have a movie not to recommend? <laughs> I do. I don't I... want to talk to him anymore. <laughs> get out of here, Hitchcock. Just put the whole chicken down and leave. <laughs> oh, put some God. pants on and Pull get out pants of my up. Mm, he's, he's a weird guy. I don't know how he even got in here. <laughs> um, yeah, so the movie that I am not recommending is one of the movies that followed in the wake of the birds... That is one of those, let's have another animal attack people. That might hey, be scary. Um, is it Jaws? It's not, not recommending Jaws, yeah, Steve? I hate Jaws. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, who, who likes Jaws? Nobody even remembers that one. Everybody? Um, <laughs> it's like one of the most popular movies ever. Um, no, the, the movie I'm not recommending is a movie from uh the the well, 1967 so the mid to late 60s and uh it was actually directed by Freddie Francis who is a director and also a, a screenwriter with a decent filmography but this hmm. isn't one of the decent entries on it um it's a movie called The Deadly Bees Oh not the deadly ones Yeah the deadly bees and I like the happy ones No the deadly ones make for better horror movies though so so <laughs> So this is a movie, actually, a lot of people listening, If you, most of you who have seen it have probably seen it because it was an episode of Mystery Science Theater um, mm. because it's real bad. Yeah. And the, the story of the deadly bees is um, a lady goes to an island and on the island there are rival beekeepers. And one of Makes them... Makes sense. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? It's an island. And... One of them is uh, is causing bees to attack and kill people, but which one? It's a is that mystery. The mystery. That's it's it's a, it's one of them bait and switches. It's it might not be who you think it is. Uh oh. But yeah, know. it's uh, yeah, and it's you know it's not good. I mean, there, there have been a couple of, of of killer bee movies over the years. None and of them have been good. None of them have been really that good. And uh, and we have murder hornets now. Yeah, so fuck the bees. I mean, the the Isn't murder. Isn't America hornet- great? We have the, murder hornets now. The, the murder hornets are probably out there killing all the killer bees right now. Remember from Revelations when the Antichrist shows up and there will be plagues. And earthquakes, yeah. fires, and wasps. And gigantic wasps <laughs> that kill you? I'm not saying anything because I don't technically buy into all the Revelations things, but if I was sitting on the fence trying to figure out who the Antichrist was and yeah. they were checking off all of the Revelation yeah. boxes? There, there, there is an argument to be made from a particular perspective. 
So leave um, bees alone. They're f- the happy, fun creatures that make us something yummy to eat. Yeah. They're all like the Honey Nuts Cheerio Bee. They're friendly, happy things right. that invade your home. Don't, uh, don't turn them into killers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Deadly Bees don't recommend it. Also, uh, it features a cameo appearance by the band The Birds. No, not that one. Not the one you've heard of. Uh-huh. With Roger McGuinn and David Crosby, right. the other one, the British version of the Birds, which came out a few years before and didn't really have any hits, but uh, their lead guitarist went on to join the Rolling Stones, Ronnie Wood. Uh, but yeah, so they're in this movie. So it's like I'm learning so much. It's like we reviewed the Birds, yeah, and then my not recommend has a cameo from the Birds. I get it. You get I it. Get it, Steve. Yes. It all fits together. Yeah, it does. Anyway, yeah, don't don't like see this movie. Big, it's big horrendous jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And when you put it together, it's a clown holding a baby's head, <laughs> and you're like, "That's not what was on the box." <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1963. And there was another animal attack movie in 1963, except it's stupid, and I don't like it, and it's so bad. It was called Black Zoo. Ooh. And um, it was produced by Herman Cohen, and he produced a lot of B-movie horror films in the 1950s. Like, uh, I was a teenage werewolf. I was a teenage Frankenstein. I was a teenage mummy guy. I was, you know, just take your pick. I was a teenage, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't know how that works. Anyway, he did a lot of those kinds of things. And then he made this movie. And it's about an animal cult that kills people. Oh, how fun. With lions and cheetahs Hmm. and tigers and a man in a gorilla costume. (laughs) And the guy who runs it is Michael Go, oh, you hey. know Alfred yeah. from the Batman movies. <laughs> Don't see it. I know it sounds kind of fun, but it's not. It's bad. It's just it's an excuse for tigers to hug a guy. Aww. And that's what happens all the time. And then make screaming sounds like they're being attacked. <laughs> it's stupid. The tiger has a hell of a bear hug. Hey, Steve. Yeah. You know what time it is? It's time for me to make a terrible choice. Kinda, yeah. Except the choices that you're going to have to make now oh. have been selected by those those patrons from Patreon who submitted recommendations of the movies that they want us to review. Oh, boy. So, so this is brilliant because the ones who don't get their movie reviewed can blame me. That's right. Perfect. That's exactly right. I would like to thank Connie Walker, Stephen and Cindy Dymock, Daniel Baggett, Stefano Cocosa, Daniel G, or Dan G, Mark Jemkins, and Orion Murray for submitting movies that they would like. Now, all of them submitted something different, so all of them are up for contention. We said this was going to be a random selection, and since Steve is our random number generator, (laughs) he has to choose between... I have mixed these up now. Oh, boy. Number one, and numbers between one and seven. You pick a number between one and seven, and that is going to be the movie that we're going to review next one and seven viewers choice kinda (laughs) okay five are you doing an huh five five number five number five number five is alive 
Okay, so from the movies that he could have selected from, they were Network, hmm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, oh. Caligula, oh. MASH, there you go. Galaxy Quest, oh. oh boy, I'm so glad you didn't pick this one, Dragonheart, Ooh. and The Andromeda Strain. But you chose number five, a movie that we probably would have done at some point for our Halloween show. But we're going to do it now because it is the it is the chosen one. <laughs> it is the chosen one. <clears throat> so we're going to get some of our spookies Ooh. in the summertime. Oh, boy. Why not? Yeah, well, there's no rule against it. That's right. So the next movie that we're going to review as viewer's choice is the classic horror film, The Exorcist. <gasps> oh, right. So, if you guys want to get all the jokes uh, that we make at the expense of a young girl masturbating with a crucifix, oh, we then got please jokes. <laughs> rush out and watch The Exorcist before our next podcast drops. And that's it. <laughs> Thanks you, thank you guys for listening in for Late Seating. This has been Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. I thought you knew. I want to go through life jumping into fountains naked. Good night. What? Is this a confession on your part? Oh, I thought you knew. Why would I know that, Steve? You don't talk about wanting to do things. You only have one fountain in town. Yeah, and I've always wanted to just go through life jumping into it naked. How many times have you done it? I've never actually done it. Is that why we had to delay this podcast? No. You Okay, you know what? Don't lie to me because I can tell when you're lying. I'm not lying. When we first met, you said you were a clerk at a pet shop, and it turns out that was completely wrong. I Well, but I mean, I could have been. I knew a lot about the, the birds. You didn't know anything about the birds. You pointed to the rug the and said that's ones. an endangered flat bird from the Amazon. I told okay, you. Okay, you know a lot about a bird. Mm-hmm. Name one bird off the top of your head. Orange bird. Orange bird. Great, great. Can you draw me a picture of an orange bird? Mm-hmm. You know what a okay. bird looks like? I do. It's just, it's, I know. it's an orange one. Yeah, they don't have tentacles. Why are you drawing tentacles now? It's, that's what an orange bird looks like. Birds don't have tentacles. <laughs> You're drawing. Okay, that's like an octopus. That's a, like a... Mm-hmm. a a Lovecraftian horror thing. Yeah, you see the snout on the front? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the bird snout. Birds don't have snouts. They have beaks. This one has a snout. It's an orange bird. It's an orange. It's an orange bird. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Can you lay down for a second? If We're gonna you... do that thing where you call your wife and you go lay down again. Okay. 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 Just call her. All right. And we'll have a we'll have a me and her will have a nice long talk. Okay. And then can okay. I, and then can I jump in the fountain? Sure. Okay. Okay. okay I'm gonna. Bye, I'm... everybody. Uh, hey. Hi, honey. It's me. <laughs> hey. No, it's Jason said to call you again. <laughs> I heard her screaming from here. <laughs> Are you going to say goodbye to the next people? Bye, everybody. Bye. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.